Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to talk with uh, Paul Malella. He absolutely is crushing life right now, loving life with his uh, uh, with his wife and kids and business. Um, got the heck out of New York, but I'll let him tell some of those, those stories. But uh, I look forward to uh, to getting to know Paul a little bit more. Um, I uh, I want to turn it over to Paul for you to go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us about your family. Tell us about your business, and uh, we'll go from there. Yes, sir. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I'm very grateful. I'm humbled. I'm very appreciative. Uh, my name is Paul Malella. Uh, historically, uh, I have a martial art background. So my first line of businesses are martial arts schools, a small chain of them up in up in New York. I currently live in Charleston, South Carolina right now. Been here for almost three years. But uh, I guess uh, if you are asking a little background of my story, if that's what I'm gathering, Sure. Let's hear it. Wherever you want to go. I was always a little dude growing up. So at seven years old, I was bullied and uh, I wasn't really naturally athletic back then. Uh, probably I was an extremely easy target, short, not really that confident. And I had this kid named Tommy Gonzalez that picked on me and beat me up every day. Did some horrific things if I go back in time and, and, uh, Write a checklist of all the things that were done, but then eventually my parents got kind of like fed up and put me in martial arts for me to develop a little self-confidence, right? Self-esteem, learn how to defend myself. And I trained for a good six to eight months, a little secretly, you know, going off to these martial art classes and one day getting off the bus. Uh, my parents lived on this road called Cherry Lane. So it was a, it was like a quarter mile walk, right? All the way down to my parents' house and my my mom just happened to not been there that day to get me off the bus, and I had to walk down by myself. And here's Tommy Gonzalez about to, you know, be a bully and, and uh, pick a fight with me. And I don't know what got into me. I kind of went back into my little, you know, stance. He kind of giggled and laughed. I fake low, went high, popped him in his nose, gave him a bloody nose. I was like shocked. He was shocked. This other kid, Matt Musicar, was shocked. Not that he was going to stick up for me, but. I just ran, you know, I ran as fast as I could to get to my house, which I did. Uh, ironically, he never picked on me ever again. Uh, mm -hmm. We became childhood best friends. I was his best man in his wedding. Funnier story, I was his best man in his second wedding. <laughs> and uh, I thank him every day for picking on me because if he didn't, I would have ever taken martial arts, right? Yeah. As a school teacher in the Bronx, we kind of look back and we reflect on you know, his life, there's always a story, right? His dad at the time was an alcoholic, beat on his his younger, his older brother, older brother beat on him, and then he needed someone to beat on, right? And so, um, mm -hmm. but with every little obstacle or challenge, right, you like to think that there are opportunities. So, you know, that at the time, horrific time of my life turned into a great opportunity for me to take martial arts. Um, fast forward, 
I fell in love with martial arts. Uh, I was a competitor early on in my 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 uh, career, and I, I dabbled in teaching. And then, um, you know, I I think uh, I fell short in a, in my mindset when I was a competitor. Right? I don't know if I had that Rudy mentality, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like I always work hard, uh, but I don't think I had the right mental game. And then um, we used to kind of fall short a little bit, but there's other stories I have about that. But leading into that, I fell in love with teaching and coaching. And um, I was a manager by the time I was in high school for one of my, lo my boss's locations. I ended up doing the college thing for a little bit, but Adam, it was just wasn't for me, right? I understand then that, I yes. College, still on postponement. postponement. And then I was fortunate enough to uh, take over my first martial arts school from my old teacher. Now, to be clear, uh, at the time, that location I was managing before I went away to school, I did go away to college for about a year down in Florida. And the school, when it left, when I left to go to school, to go to college, it dropped like over 100 students. And then long story short, um, I get a phone call from my old man and he goes, uh, hey, Paul, he goes, hey, Paul, which normally when he calls me by my name, I know it's serious because he usually calls me bud. You know, yeah. so it's fun. It's, hey, bud. But he goes, hey, Paul. I said, yeah. oh, oops, uh, my old man's calling me for a reason. And then um, I go, what's up, Pop? He goes, well, your younger brother, Anthony, is losing interest in his Taekwondo practice because I'm mm -hmm. the oldest out of five, right? And so um, all five of us are black belts. All, all siblings are all a martial art family. And my younger brother at the time, he's like nine years my junior, was uh, losing interest in his, his martial art training and his competition path. And then he was going, making wrong decisions. And the reason why he was making wrong decisions bef bec before I went away to school, I was always, a, I would like to think I have a good parents, good family, you know, below blue, blue collar, middle class, you know, uh, mom and dad, right? And then a good foundation. But I was always finding myself with the wrong group of kids. Mm-hmm. The wrong group of kids weren't like drugs or anything. They were just, they would cause trouble, like get into fights, go to, you know, whatever parties or bars and, and they would just cause ruckus. And I kind of found myself in a, not a great situation. And then, um, that's why I went, I moved to Florida. I needed to get mm -hmm. away out of my environment, out of the group of kids I was hanging out with. And I was so locked in down in Florida. I was a personal trainer. I taught Taekwondo. I had a girlfriend. I had a 3.0 in school, which was like amazing. And then I get this call from my old man saying my younger brother's like losing interest following that path, which I felt it was totally my fault, man. Mm -hmm. Like it's, he was following his older brother's footsteps. So I left school um, and I loved it down in Florida. I was in West Palm Beach, you know, like everything was great, you know. Yeah. weather girlfriend you know grades and then um i actually flew back up to new york really to primarily mentor my little brother and i bat i went back to work for my old martial art teacher and when i went back the school was like in shambles you know it went from like it lost over 100 students obviously it wasn't profitable and there was a small group of kids that stayed um and I think because in the back of their mind, they always were wanting me to come back and like teach and coach them. And I did. I, I kind of took over that. I, I remanaged it for a little bit. I had a men I mentored my little brother, coached him. That year, when I got back in May of that year of, of uh, 95, I think, 
I started training my younger brother. He won the junior national championship that year in LA. Nice. And then after then, he you know he he won junior nationals every year. He went to the U.S. Uh, adu- a men's adult uh, weight class. He ended up winning a national championship. Went to Olympic Training Center. He was at a you know Olympic team trials, and we literally changed his life around. And uh, while that was happening, my true passion was coaching my brother and a couple other other good martial art fighters. I had an opportunity to, um, you know, purchase the school for my old boss, except my parents really didn't have a lot of money at all. Mm-hmm. And to be, if I'm totally transparent, they also uh, had to spend some money in some attorney fees because I was mm-hmm. hanging out with the wrong group of guys and found myself in some trouble. And, um, you know, attorney fees kind of stacked up a little bit, right? Yeah. So, you know, that was another obstacle that I'm very open with and like, listen, who you hang out with? You'll be a combination of those five people, and I was sure. just hanging out with the wrong group of kids, getting into trouble, and that shifted me, right? You know, that experience shifted me. It shifted me to kind of, at a very young age, at 2021, 20, what my dad did do, because he just doesn't have a lot of money, but he bartered about $30,000 worth of work at my old boss's home. He was building this new home, and we exchanged the bartering for me taking over the martial arts school. And then um, my primary focus was to train my brother, mentor him, and a small group of like elite fighters that I was training for for like Olympics. Mm-hmm. And then um, the business sucked. Honestly, you know, I, I didn't know anything about business. I just loved, I just loved uh, teaching martial arts. I was bullied as a kid. I had a passion to help other kids develop confidence and not be bullied. And you know, that's what I want to do. I want to teach them to be good mm-hmm. fighters. Right, because why? I learned how to fight for a little dude, built up confidence. Bullies never picked on me ever again. You know, even though I'm like five foot six, I walk around like I'm six foot six, you know, because of the confidence, right? <laughs> and then um we bartered, it took over the school, nothing was working. I had a mentor of mine give me a book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I'm sure you yeah. read it. A lot of your yeah. probably uh, listeners have read it. Uh, I read it once a year, or actually I highlight and kind of after I meditate, I, I look through passages. Um Changed my life, man. I got addicted to personal growth, Adam. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I, every seminar I can get my hands on, I attended, every book I listened, I, I read, every audio book I listened to. And since then, fast forward, I probably, you know, traveled literally around the world, Thailand, Fiji, Australia, you know, uh, not along, not only the martial art comp- competition, I'm a, I studied some of the most influential leaders that talk peak performance, potential, mindset you know, everything, you know, probably over 500 K in personal development. Right. And then, uh, my business changed. And uh, I remember watching the karate kid. Now, have you watched this movie? Of course. I mean, how many times have I watched that movie growing up as a kid, but now here I'm I'm 20, 21 years old. I'm looking at it from a different lens, man. Right. And I'm like, and I'm going through all this personal development, you know, like really like thinking about my legacy, thinking about who I am as a man, what I want in my future. And I'm like, wow, I'm like the Cobra Kai dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm yeah. the Cobra Kai guy, you know? And at and the same transition of time, that was my original teacher. My teacher, yeah. my original teacher was a six foot two, big Irish heavyweight national champion. And guess what? He told all of us how to fight. We were like, I was raised like the Cobra Kai dojo. We yeah. go to tournaments and I'd be like, sir, we're not allowed to kick this tournament. We're not allowed to kick to the head. You'd be like, here's a hundred bucks. Get disqualified. Like that was the way we were taught. 
And that's the way I taught kids. Hmm. I just had no level of awareness. Yeah. I was introduced to my new teacher, Grandmaster Kim, who was basically Mr. Miyagi. And between his teachings, from Grandmaster Kim, from my, all my personal development experience, really eva you know, evaluating myself, evaluating my mission, right? What I call worthy ideal in my book, I, that's what I call it. I started injecting not only character development, but leadership training, mindset training into my mm -hmm. martial arts curriculum. And honestly, that's where the value blew up and people, when I say people, parents will be sitting in the waiting area, listening to me teach their children and then come up to me going, wow, you know, Grandmaster Malolo or Master Malolo, but what you said, it really hit home with me. I'm like, yeah, here's your uniform. Come on the floor, train with me. Yeah. And, and that's how my business blew up, really, Adam. You know, I, I literally worked on myself, and then I poured into my students, you know, and um, my business blew up, like, in a good way, right? I had parents, I had families. I would have, like, adults, not just kids, right? Kids were developing confidence and believing themselves, increasing grades, developing leadership. But parents were going, hey, Grandmaster Malolo, I lost 20 pounds, but my attitude shifted. Like, I got asked to be a, a partner in my firm. I just literally doubled my income. I'm like, man, yeah. how can I help more people? How can I help more people? And I did. Like my business vertically it growed, it grew. And then sometimes it kind of caps out, right? In a certain demographic. Mm -hmm. And then we wanted to grow like horizontally with opening other locations. But I wanted to think bigger. And then that's when someone said you got to write a book. And um I attended this program with Bob Proctor, if you know who that gentleman is. And, um, I have a name, yeah. He was in the movie The Secret years ago, and he yeah. just recently passed away. And um, I did some, you know, some training with him, right? I, I was a mentorship underneath him, and you know, we became these life success consultants underneath Bob Proctor. And um, in a roundabout way, he was one of the influences, between Tony Robbins, T. Harv Eker, mm -hmm. strategic coach, you name them. Like, we, I went through it all, right? And um, we, when I, uh, I had a, a client of mine who was actually my financial advisor and I remember he was a very successful man. He's like 15 years, my senior. And he was in my class and I'm teaching him and his son. And I remember after class, I walked up to him. I said, Hey Nick, you know, he's a financial advisor, very successful man. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be doing this certification to become a, like a life coach. And, and, and I started telling him about what I'm going to be doing. He goes, that's what I want to do too. Right. And I'm like, really? Because I was trying to get into his network, right? I want yeah. to get into the financial services world. I want to like teach yeah. and, and personally coach, you know, guys or gals in, in, in that world, right? Go outside my martial arts school. And um, it was me too. And so what happened was, is him and I started talking to each other. My childhood best friend, not my bully, um, my partner, Chris Burlow, Grandmaster Chris Burlow. We're the ones that kind of like founded United Martial Arts Centers with one other of my, my friends and colleagues, this guy, Ed. And um, him and I would always meet and we'd always talk about how we can expand our businesses and, and whatever. And so we always talk about writing a book. So the three of us collaborated and um, we all got this certification. And But we all had successful businesses. You know, two of us had martial art businesses. My friend Nick had a successful financial service firm. But his best friend, this guy, Rick, was like a retired millionaire before he was like, you know, 30 or 40 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, we all collaborated and we created our company, Empowered Mastery. 
and we co-authored the book, You Have Infinite Power Together. And then from there, I kind of branched off and I kind of expanded my worthy ideal where, you know, I'm inspiring, leading and teaching business owners and, and uh, business leaders to really just to become the best version of themselves, right? Uh, for them to create multidimensional success. You want to say hi real quick? I'm on a live podcast. You can just introduce yourself, Mr. Adam. Hi, Mr. Adam. What's going on? How are you? Good. How are you? Put your Doing very in. well. Thank you. I'm Pierce. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Pierce. You enjoying your day? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good. I mean, I'm going to show All right. Love you. I got your package. Thank you. So, um, and that's where we kind of pivoted, you know, and then uh, we created that company. And then since then, I've been kind of like doing a lot of business coaching, life coaching. I have right since, since then kind of exited and retired from my martial art businesses. Mm-hmm. And then um, now I just do full-time coaching and executive coaching. So I, I don't know if I, where I start, finish, it's kind of like a transitional story, right? And so oh, that's getting awesome. bullied yeah. to karate kid movie to think and grow rich, you know, and have this whole evolution of like this path that I'm on. Right. For sure. No, there's like 5 billion places I kept wanting to interrupt or, or jump in, but I was like, just let this flow. We'll see how it all goes. I've got, uh, I got a, a list of notes here. Let me see how I want to, I want to go about it. Um, it seems if I were to guess that obviously family was rather important to you when you were down here in Florida. So I'm going to rewind a little bit and go into more on a, on a personal, personal note, kind of, uh, uh, go deep with like maybe maybe your parents and how what it was like growing up. Um, yeah. I got the the bully part, but you've got you said you're the oldest of six, oldest of five, oldest of five. Okay, so you're the oldest of five. Um, what was it like growing up where you were? And like, tell us about your dad and what that was like, because that's going to lead into some of my other questions I got coming up. My dad's great. I think uh, men, the word men, a man, my dad's a good man, hard worker, man. Um, financially, he struggled. Uh, he did not, and he would admit, he defined success as family. That's the number one way he defines success. But my dad uh, worked real hard. He, he went the path of, um, you know, he's a blue-collar electrician, union worker. Mm-hmm. He had many opportunities to open up his own businesses. Um, His belief, his paradigm was, if I open up my own business, I won't be here for you kids. Dude, that was just, that was just, that was his belief. Right. And then um, work real hard, honestly, probably paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I don't know how they did it in the eighties with five children. You know, he was married at 20. Had me at 22. My mom and him were high school sweethearts. You know what I mean? Um, can't even make it up. And um, they moved out of Yonkers, New York to uh, Putnam, Westchester County, which is, you know, more back then it was more like the sticks, right? The suburbs mm-hmm. from where they were raised, um, you know, and uh, he just went the blue collar route, man. Money did not come easily and effortlessly. Our, our vacations were jumping in my mom's white caravan and driving to Orlando, Florida for us to compete in the junior nationals. You know what I mean? I had no yep. comparison of what that was like. You know, we eat pasta and meatballs every day. 
I used to think because you're Italian, that's what you do. But it wasn't because yeah. you were Italian. They had no money. Like, what, are they, what else are they going to feed me? You yeah. know, feed us. Pasta meatballs. Pasta meatballs. You know what I mean? I'm just, all right, this is what Italians do. But no, it's because they, they didn't have the money to, 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 to feed everybody, you know? But what the hell we know? We were loved. We had a roof over our head. You know, if I wasn't training in Taekwondo, I was outside, out and about, riding my bikes, building tree forts, mm -hmm. ripping on my motor, my quad, or, you know, playing manhunt. Dude, it was, a, it was a great childhood. You know, growing up in the 80s and the er 80s, right, early 90s, I graduated high school. It was great. No cell phones, hardly, like, not that many video games. I remember when Atari came out. I remember Atari, playing Atari. Oh, yeah. the first time. You know, like, that was it, you know. But we were outside all day until my, my dad gave a whistle whistle i ran back home We'd eat mm -hmm. go train come back at night play manhunt in the summertime but um money didn't come easily and effortlessly to my family so the i had a i had a really awkward relationship around my money blueprint and mm -hmm. a really awkward belief about being a business owner so honestly as much as that was my dad's paradigm and i don't poo poo on it that's what he just thought I actually use that as leverage. I wanted to prove that I can be an entrepreneur, be fit, be an entrepreneur, make a good living with integrity, not screw anyone over. Because that's my dad would still to this day, he would go work, do work at your house, pay for all the all the material. And Adam, you go, hey, uh, Mr. Malilla, how much money do I owe you? He'd be like, ah, just give me like 200 bucks. Meanwhile, cost them 300 bucks of the material. Yeah. Follow me. Like he yeah. would never charge anyone every money. He had this fear of like just being a good guy. I'm like, dad, yeah. you've got to charge. You have value. You know, like you got to be worthy. And he would never do it. Never. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to prove that you can be a business owner. You could be fit. You can have an unbelievable marriage and be a good dad. That was literally one of the things I wanted to prove, right? And that is my whole message, multidimensional success. That's my term, multidimensional success. I literally, I just got off the phone call, right? I mean, onboarded a new client and he's a younger, younger, young man. And mm -hmm. I said, listen to me, if all you care about is making income and increasing your production, and that's all you care about, I am not the coach for you. Yeah. Can I help you do that? Absolutely. But what I'm going to hopefully plan, you are in a different season of life right now, like he's in the spring season. But mm -hmm. if, if your vision is to become financially secure with integrity, be a good husband, be a good dad, and be fit, I'm the coach for you. Yeah. If that doesn't resonate with you, just tell me right now because I don't want to coach you. Right? That's, my, that's been my mission, right? To lead, teach, and inspire future leaders, business owners, and business professionals to reach their personal full potential in all areas of their life so they can achieve multidimensional success and live a healthy, happy, fulfilling life with a sense of passion and purpose. That's my worthy ideal. I don't think you've ever said that before. That sounds like the first time you've said that. <laughs> like you have that clearly memorized. You've got a passion behind this. That's it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's not anywhere. I'm not reading anything. That's no, no. You had your eyes closed and everything, man. And you could feel it. It was inside you. Read, read, yeah. and then feel it in my yeah. DNA. Like I cannot yeah. not help myself to do it. Right. Can't phenomenal. Whether I get paid for or not. Like that's just my that's my my life legacy. Right. So going back to my old man, I had a really break through some financial paradigms yeah. around money. I had a breakthrough 
what it meant to be a business owner and prove that you can have it all. People are like, oh, what do you want? Your cake can eat it too? Yeah, why the hell would I have a cake if I can't eat it? That's the stupidest <laughs> metaphor ever. It's dumb. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. So up, we're, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, the, where do you think your dad got? So your grandpa, I want to go back one one more layer. Like mm-hmm. your dad's dad. Like what, what kind of life did your dad live growing up that may have started him on that path? Good question. Um, my dad's actually the only one. He, he's the second out of four. My grandfather died at 54 years old, maybe 53, man. He was super young. And um, he was not a blue collar guy. He, well, actually, let me take that back. He, my dad's handy, really handy. He could build, Mm -hmm. dude, let me tell you right now, I don't own a tool. I don't own a tool. I wish I tried as a kid. Like, it just skipped my generation. You know what I mean? Like, literally, my wife is more handy than I. People will try. Like, I always have this belief, like, I'm not a man, so I can't manually do. No, <laughs> Frank Sinatra didn't move pianos, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm good at one or two things. I, I stink at everything else. But the one or two things I'm good at, I, I believe I'm the best in the world at. That's I'm a legend in my own mind. I don't need to do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I got a guy. How about that? I make enough money yep. to have a guy. Yeah. Right? So, um... My dad's dad, my grandfather, was uh, he just before he died, he was going to be like one of the, the presidents or vice presidents of the Macy's Union. Like he was more like in the corporate sales, you know, in, for Macy's. He made enough money for kids. My oldest, my, my dad's oldest brother went to college, military. His younger brother went to Cornell. Guys in mm-hmm. banking, he's retired banking, like he's loaded. And then his sister, my aunt, went also, to, I think she went to NYU, you know, so they're all educated. He's the only one that went blue collar out. And I think what ended up happening is my grandfather told him, if you're going to do that, you're going to be an electrician, you got to get into the union. Because my grandfather was in the Macy's union. I guess he always mm-hmm. had union is safe route, right? That was their belief. Yeah. Um, growing up, my dad was a Democrat. He's not anymore. <laughs> I thought, well, like, what do I do? I'm like, he's like, hey, son, you're a business owner. You gotta, you have to choose the right thing, yeah. you know. Um, so he definitely. Here's what I tell my kids. You know, well, no, I get from my old man. We get blue collar grit with white collar thinking. Yeah, that's what I teach my kids. You're gonna have blue yeah. collar grit, white collar thinking. We live in a nice community here. We live in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, right? So it's outside downtown Charleston. So it's a nice area, man. There's beautiful homes everywhere, you know, like Lululemon, puts a portion of dealership, Mercedes dealership. I, re- I looked around, you know, I made sure I was going to mm-hmm. put my kid in the right environment, right? My son's best friend got a brand new Tesla. I looked at him, I go, here's the deal, Pierce. You ain't getting a Tesla. You ain't getting a new car. You know what you're going to do? You're going to go to work. Yeah. He works in the restaurant around the corner and he washes dishes. Nice. Like 18 bucks an hour. And yeah. I said, you're going to, and so did my daughter. My daughter worked as a barista in a, in a, in a, in a cafe. She babysat, you know, she had two, three jobs. So does him. So does he. And I said, you work, you're going to earn money. Whatever you save mom and I will match. Mm-hmm. You pay your own gas. I'll pay the insurance. Well, damn sure. I'm not giving you anything. Yeah. 
I'm not giving you anything. I said, when I was your, your age at 15, I taught Taekwondo twice a week. I worked in this clothing department store in the mall on commission. I learned how to sell mm -hmm. and I worked in a bagel store on Sunday mornings. Okay. I bought my first car, my own insurance. It was a 1979 Cutlass Supreme that I bought for my aunt for like 500 bucks. It was silver. I tinted out the windows, put rims and tires on it. She of couldn't course. believe it was the same car. Yeah. Right. And I paid the insurance and I worked and I did my thing, you know? So I'm going to teach my kids the same thing. I will give you opportunities. I'm not mm -hmm. handing you anything. You will have opportunities around you. It's up to you to take advantage of the opportunities. You know, what did my dad do? Yeah. He didn't have money to help me open up a business. He yeah. went and he bartered and he gave me an opportunity. I felt compelled for the damn sure not to let my old man down after what he did to help me to barter that martial arts school. You know what I mean? Yeah, so for sure. That was a driving force for me. So my my dad um, was the only one that didn't go to college, but he went the, the union route. And he mm -hmm. just, he had a friend, this guy, Pat, that said, come on, Paul. Let's open up our own business. And my dad, at the time, he only had three kids. Now, you know, mm -hmm. He's like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I got three kids. I got to do this. Now, meanwhile, Pat, Pat Spirelli, he owns commercial real estate in New York. Huge Spirelli's electric contracting. Guess what? I think one of the two of his sons took over the business. Loaded, retired, Florida, golfs all the time. He was at all, his kids were a lot younger than me. Went to, we went to the same high school. He was at all the games. You know, he did mm -hmm. everything. He had that mentality. Me and mom, my dad, you know, paycheck to paycheck. You know, same house. When did yeah. it click for you to kind of make that, that, so you, I mean, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you had a, an awkward belief behind the money and the business. How did you go from that awkward belief to knowing you could do it, or at least knowing you could try? Like how, where did that, that pivot for you go? I remember going to these conventions, these martial art business conventions mm -hmm. earlier on in my career. They were in Orlando, Florida. And, um, you know, a good friend of mine, this guy, Ed, who we end up becoming collaborating and kind of like creating an organization together. He was a good mentor and a friend of mine. And he's like, you have to go to these conventions, you know, and I was already on the personal development world, right? Literally, I got addicted to that personal development world. And I'm like, right, listen, I know Tony Robbins would always say success leaves clues, mm -hmm. right? You don't got to like reinvent the wheel. Find out who is the best in what you want and what you do and go model that. So I remember going to these conventions and it was, um, you go to these breakout sessions and you're learning from everybody in the industry, right? And they had this, like an awards presentation at the end of the weekend. And, you know, I was a new school owner. I was 21, 22 years old, right? And I got this dinky, like recognition leadership award. I'm like, this, you know, like everyone gets a trophy type of thing. I'm like, I wasn't trying to be ungrateful, but I'm mm -hmm. like, all right, this is not me. And I'm going, I'm looking at these people on stage. And they were like the top 10 school owners in the martial art industry based on revenue and production and enrollment, whatever. And I'm looking and I'm maybe part of me was like judging them, mm -hmm. which, I, you know, subconsciously, I think we all do. I'm looking like, man, that dude got that level school. Like he's doing that level of business. And I'm looking, I'm like, well, he wasn't a good fighter. He wasn't a good competitor. Like he looks like that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm like, this is how I was thinking that at 22 years old. I'm, I'm just yeah. being transparent, right? You're, like, you're still being Cobra Kai. 
Well, yeah. I am being Culver Kai, and I'm yeah. judging in a way. If yeah. it's good or bad, I don't know. I'm like, well, he can do it. I can do it. You follow? Yeah. And I was like very bold. Like, I'm coming back top 10 next year. And I did. Next year, top 10. Year after, top three. Yeah. After that, number one, 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 one. You know what I mean? Until mm-hmm. I kind of broke away from that, that little organization that used to hold those events. But that was my driving force. I just here's the here's the thing, man. I got this voice in my head called second best Paul. I'm gonna be open. Second best Paul. My whole martial art career as a fighter, I was I would win state championships, right? In New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. I go to nationals, I always fall short. I'd win like silver medal, bronze medal, silver medal, bronze medal. I I always fell short of that national championship. And when I became a business owner, I was like, never again do I want to be second best. Mm-hmm. Never again. I hate being average. I hate sucking. Right? As a coach, I'm going to make national champions. As a martial art business professional, I want to be the top 10. Right? Now I call it in my tribe of, of, of people I coach, I call it the uncommon club. Like we want to be the one in the 1% of our industry. Yep. You know? Um, and so I don't care what industry you're in, just be the uncommon, be that one to 5% in your industry, in your whatever. Right. And so, um, I just hated being second best. I hated being average. I hated being just average, comfortable, blue collar, middle class. I wanted to be different. I want to be uncommon. That second best Paul created perfect Paul. Now let me Mm -hmm. reframe. No, but no human is perfect. I am a Christian. I believe that God is perfect, but I believe that we are byproducts of God. So we have perfection within us. So one of my empowering statements I say to myself is I'm a student first. I'm continuously learning and growing and I'm grateful for my progress towards perfection. Right. You know, so my original teacher, besides my dad, I learned a lot from my dad, but I also learned things that I didn't want to become. My original teacher, Mr. Connolly, the Cobra Kai guy, that mm-hmm. six foot two guy, heavyweight national champion, six at the time in the 80s, three successful martial arts schools, amazing competitor tournament team fighters, built a brand new house, Corvette, Harley Davidson. And all of a sudden, he thought he was the you know what. Mm-hmm. Left his teacher, left his grandmaster, never went to conventions, never had a coach, never um Continue learning, and then what? What happened? What happens if you're not growing, Adam? You plateau. You first you plateau. Yeah, you're comfortable, and then what happens? Yeah, start downhill. When I tell you, man, he declined fast. Yeah. Okay. My another empowering or impactful story is I remember this is after I bought the school from him. I kind of he knew the school was doing really well. I started this company, Empowered Mastery. I bought one of his schools. He closed one down. He downsized his other one. And I remember I was in a suit because I'm about to go give a presentation. I pull up in a, a white 750 BMW, L, you know, convert, you know, LI, right? The big boy mm-hmm. car, right? The four door, yep. you know? And um, I was going to pick up some like uh, work workbooks from our printer because I had like exercises for a seminar I was going to give to a bunch of executives. And I look, it's around January, February. And next to the printer shop where I was getting these workbooks was his martial arts school. 
and the kids were off that week. So it was like winter break. Mm-hmm. So I'm not kidding you. I look in and I go, man, right? And I swear to you, he looked like a 360-pound Forrest Gump. He had the mm. beard bigger than you, long ponytail, like in the same warm-up suit that he wore probably back in the late 90s, man. Yeah. Sitting, watching kids play dodgeball. I come in, I bow, I give him a big hug. How are you, sir? Oh, great. How, uh, Bobby, is his son, is going to be a hand surgeon. Eddie's graduating. Ah, uh, everything's great. Meanwhile, when you look at his face, what can you tell, Adam? Yeah, he's lost. Yeah, he's lost. Not he's him anymore. Next, yeah. Right? I'm in a suit, fit, see just nice car outside. And then, how's mom? Oh, great, sir. All right, good. And he, go, he puts his hand out. He looks at me and he taps the top of my hand. He goes, continue to be great. I'm proud of you. And mm-hmm. I left. That was that February. That June, he died. early 50s man right because he didn't take care of his health yeah so my teacher grandmaster kim we're having tea that friday morning he goes you want to know why he died no sir why'd he die he think he know everything big head fall over he leave his master he have no coach he don't go to seminar he doesn't listen he doesn't take care of his health he doesn't get financial advice no health insurance, no life insurance, nothing. He left his wife desolate, desolate, Jeez. right? Desolate. She had to close the business, you know, go back to work part-time. The only thing he probably had was his house that was paid off, right? Because he probably paid in cash back then. No legacy. The reason why I'm so driven into growth is because of that man, mm. right? My second mentor. So I observed people I respected and love, my dad and my first mentor, and I was at least had the awareness of some of the things I wanted to be like, but I also knew the things I had to avoid. And I used both of those stories as fuel for me. Prove to my dad I could be a business owner, be fit, be a good husband, and be a good dad. Mm-hmm. Prove to my old teacher that I will continuously be a student, even though I'm Grandmaster Malella. Who cares? If you're not learning, you're not growing, you're dying. Like, where am I going Wednesday? I'm flying out to Salt Lake City Wednesday because I'm going to pay some guy to teach me on how he's scaling out what he's doing in his business. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, you're doing what? I'm like, I will come out to you and I will learn what you're doing. I'm humble enough to learn, right? I'm always investing in myself. I mean, I'm the coach, but I'm investing in myself because I'm also a student. Yeah. Until the day I die, I will always learn, right? And I think that that's important. So those are the things I've early on in my life that I learned and I knew that I'm going to be growth oriented. My son Pierce asked me a couple of weeks ago, you go and you know, I picked up a new Gladiator truck and I had some, I had it wrapped. I had some work done to it. So I'm like, come on, Pierce, come get the truck with me. So we're driving back and he, he doesn't really talk that much. <laughs> He's 15, you know? So it's like, hey, Pop, what's your worst fear? I'm like, wow, what a great opportunity to have a dialogue. Yeah, no joke. I'm like, you know what, Pierce? If you would have asked me that question when I was your age, probably into my early mid-20s, I would have said fear of failure. Mm-hmm. All right, that would have been my not my worst fear, fear of failure. But honestly, through my research, 
and studying, I think, the, some of the most influential peak performers in the world and even the men and women I coach and my own entrepreneurial experience, failure is actually an ingredient to success. Sure like you is. have to fail in order to succeed. Without it, I don't, I don't see it possible. Nor do I want to study anyone that was like just landed on success mountain. Mm -hmm. I want to learn from people that went through adversity, had challenges, you know, like went through pain and whatever, and then became vi victorious, right? So honestly, you have to embrace fear. Now, I know we're not going to occur, but I told him you want to make fear your wish. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, in other words, you own it. Okay. Yeah. Embrace it. Okay. I said, if you make a mistake and you don't learn from that mistake, then you're an idiot. Now, if you can't embrace failure and keep that temporary failure as a part of your, you know, like, embrace it, like, you know, it's a part of life, then go get some kind of nine to five job, punch in, punch yeah. out, don't think. And that's cool, man. Like that, if that's your definition of success, that's great. I go, but if you ask me why my worst fears right now, it's plateauing in life, hmm. becoming complacent. That's my worst fear, right? Uh, and, and to be clear, growth isn't always financial for me, yeah. like income wise. It could be yep. another piece of property. It could be my, my spiritual connection to God. It could be how I improve as a husband, right? Mm -hmm. How I am as a dad what what my fitness is like you know at almost 50 years old i'm a physique competitor people are like well, why are you doing that life is more than about having abs well first of all i'd like to have abs that's not that, that is a part of it. i'd be lying if it wasn't but you have no clue why i train yeah. like abs aren't the reason why yeah you know what i mean you know so um Those are some really deep, I mean, I psychoanalyze myself deeply, mm -hmm. reasons why I, I, I do things. Um, and I use them, I like to think as triggers for me to become, be better every day. That's what Grandmaster yeah. Kim calls ill, ill shin, right? So one of the things I, I say oftentimes, and, and I try to talk to people through, especially when I'm talking finances, is we all kind of have a, a wireframe built in our brains, right? Um, from one of, when, when we're kids, it's one of the reasons I always ask about people's dads, like, because they help build our wireframe of how we see life. Like, you know, things go back to whatever the wireframe that was built. So if I go through a scenario, a situation in life, I put it through the wireframe that I have that I've built around who I am about what I've got going on in my life. And then I can move forward looking through that wireframe. And until somebody or something comes and garbles that wireframe up and says, no, that's a bad wireframe, you need, you need to figure something else out. For me, with money, I just knew that I was paycheck to paycheck because that's what I always saw. I didn't know any different. That was the wireframe I looked through everywhere I was around. That's what they did with their money. They all spent their money. The government gave me a paycheck every two weeks. So what, what else am I supposed to do? This is just what you do. Um, so until I met my wife, who had a thing called a savings account that's when i was like wait people do that like what do you mean you save money like that doesn't make any sense to me right so i i busted that up and as i'm listening to you it, I'm, I'm hearing multiple different wireframes that got crumpled up at one point or another or or it sounds i honestly it, it sounds like you were aware enough to know where you wanted to go already that you took the pieces from the the teachers that you had and then you kind of created some stuff. But there were a few wireframes that you had that it seems that you crumpled up, threw away, and then rebuilt, right? Sure. So whether it was um, you know, business, right? You saw what your mom your your dad said and you were like, mm, 
I, I can see where he's coming from, but I think I could do better. I need to crumple it up. Like as I'm walking through, I'm trying to figure out how did you get to some of these pivot points in your, in your mindset and your thought process um, that you kind of like, there are always triggers in our life that change the way we view something else, right? You went in and saw your first, your first mentor, and that was probably a large trigger point for you and went, I'm, 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 I need to learn from Grandmaster Lee because of what I just saw from there. And you were able to get a bunch of different information from it. So um, now, uh, boy, I had like four questions I was going to ask, but I'm going to change it to this. When you're raising your kids right now, how do you ensure that the wireframe that they have builds them up to be the, uh, you've got one son, one daughter, right? Yes. How, do, how are you ensuring that the wireframe you're helping them create, the lens that they're viewing their life in, is the lens that m- makes sure that they are always in a growth mindset, always in the gain and not the gap? How do you kind of work that into your kid's life? So that's a great question. And there's another story. <laughs> so both my kids, they didn't have a choice but to go through my martial art program. Now, were they as passionate as my brother and I and became like masters and went to that, you know, by the way, my brother became a business partner and, you know, we, we own the, the businesses and our commercial real estate together, right? Um, when my children earned their black belts, both of them got a gift from my wife and I. And there were three swords, right? There was a small sword, a medium sword, and a big sword. They got like in this, the, the sword holder, right? Mm-hmm. And Actually, I have one in my office here, right? So imagine there's three of them, small, medium, and big. When I gave, when we gave them the, the three swords, which was a tradition that we started, um, I shared a story with them. And I said, listen, the story goes as follows. Grandmaster Kim talks about there's three realms in our life, which you get a guess. Our past, our present, and our future. The small sword represents your past, okay? And the past is extremely important, right? I think it's important to reflect on our past. So another little metaphor, I say, if we're driving and all of us are in the car and um, I have my wife and my children in the car going cross country, uh, every now and then I got to look in the rear view mirror. I got to check it just to see what's behind me. Now, I think it's important for us to do reflection on our life every now and then. I can go ahead and I can reflect on me winning a, a national mountain bike championship at the age of 40. I can reflect on these past bodybuilding competitions or any successes that I had in my past. But I will go up to New York for the Chris, for the holiday break in, in December. Mm-hmm. And I may, most likely, I do meet up with some older friends that I love. I don't always hang out with them all the time. And when we meet, you know what the conversation or dialogue is going to be about? They're going to talk about the highlight of their glory days back in 1992 and 1993 of them playing lacrosse or baseball or football. Mm -hmm. And that's fun to go ahead. But it's the same story over and over again for the past 30 something years. That is literally the pinnacle of their life. Can you imagine the, the best part of your life is when you're 17, 18, 19 years old. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I feel bad for you if that is the highlight of your life at that early on in this stage, right? So that's why that sword is so small. You could go back and reflect on the past and embrace successes and wins or maybe even regrets to learn from those mistakes to improve. But if you look in that rear view mirror the whole time while you're driving, what happens, Adam? 
You're crashing. You're crashing, bro. Yeah. And that's how a lot of people live their For life. Sure. They live their life in the past crashing mode. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's useful to check, but you can't live there. Now, the medium sword, my humble opinion, symbolizes your present. I had a very difficult time staying present. I was like the movie Click, man. I was trying to fast forward my life all, all, all mm-hmm. until I became a dad. When I became a dad, that was a big opener for me. And my wife called me out. We're sitting here. Every morning we have tea, like on the floor, the Korean tea ceremony, you know, every day. And then I'm sitting there. We have tea every morning. Since my kids have been born, they've been doing this. Okay. Yeah. There's a reason for that. If you want to re-ask me, I'll tell you that story. But I'm sitting there and we're, no, you know, no cell phones are there. And my wife's talking or whatever. And, and then I'm like, she's like, Paul. I'm like, what? She goes, are you here with us? Like, no, because my mind is like, what the, what's the call? What's the email? What's the mm-hmm. business? The fire? I'm not being present. And she helped me. And when she helped me, I'm happy, grateful, present. I live in the moment. I still plan for my family's future. I'm happy, grateful, present. I live in the moment. I still plan for my family's future. I had a recondition for me to be more present, right? So if we're driving, we're checking the rear view mirror, we're looking. But every now, we're we're giggling, we're we're singing. That we got to live in the what now? Live in the now. Because yep. this is where what we have, Adam. Right? This is what you and yep. I have right now. We're going to be present, and I'm all for the live in the now and be present and kumbaya. That's important. A lot of these coaches say that. Guess what? Mm-hmm. You can't just get stuck in the present because I don't know about you. If I'm not paying attention driving and I'm looking in the rearview mirror and I'm connected with Gina and my kids, but I'm not what. Not looking forward to the future. What's going to happen, Yeah. yeah. You're going to crash again. You're going to crash, hit a pothole, <laughs> hit a deer. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So all these other coaches that talk about being the present and now, and mm, that's awesome. But it's also a bunch of also BS. Yeah. You have to focus on your what? On your future. You've got to focus on your future. You've got to yeah. be able to keep your eye on where you want to go. Right? I am famous for asking my clients, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Step one of my process is clarity, right? Clarity. You have, this is a GPS. If you don't have the exact address in here, this isn't going to take you where you want to go. Okay. The reason why that sword is the biggest sword, because to answer your question, this is what I tell my kids. You know what Malellas do? Malellas always make our future bigger and better than our past. Malellas always make their future bigger and better than your past that's what i tell them you got blue collar grit white collar thinking malellas always make their future bigger and better than their past that sword is supposed to symbolize growth in their life because if you're not growing you're dying you always improve your life you grow you improve you challenge yourself you take yourself outside your comfort zone you push why you have to, you heard this, you got to get comfortable getting uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you're not going to expand. You're not going to grow, right? In my world, I will be 50 in a couple months. In my world, I'm not even at the halfway mark. Yeah. Not even at the 50 yard line. If I was able to achieve whatever level of perceived success from zero to 50, man, what can I do with another 50 years of my life yeah. with what I've learned already? That's well, how I think. That's how I think. I will tell people I will live over a hundred years old and I will be fit. 
I'll be vibrant. I'll have my marbles until God gives me this last breath. I will continue to inspire as many humans as I possibly can with that gift. I am a vehicle. And I say, I will always make my future bigger and better than my past. So those three swords, all three realms are important. That's a metaphor for us. There's one in my office in New York. When I bring clients in and we start off having tea in the morning, I show them the three swords. I show them a picture of Grandmaster Kim. And I will always give him credit because without him, I would not have the, you know, the knowledge and the guidance. So I always give kudos to the teachers and the mentors that help me. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that's, and I mean, I would imagine that's a, um, a constantly revisited thing with the kids, um, uh, it, whether it's at tea every morning or whatever, but it's, it's, I mean, you, from the time that you left Florida and, and, you know, to, to go help your brother, it seems a family has been an extremely important, I mean, probably even before that, I would imagine it's built in. I mean, your dad told you that, that, I mean, that's success for him, his family. So, um, you know, for me, the, the family side of the house is such an unbelievably important part, way more important than whether my bank account has a bunch of money in it or not. Um, and, you know, you and I on our pre-call, we both, uh, you know, in, in our own way, basically said, hey, you know, God's number one, wife's number two, kids number three. And it's it's like it's completely evident that that to me is the way the best way for me to live my life and the best way for me to 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 be able to even show up for anybody else out there. Um one thing that I've been been trying to teach my kids, and I just had a um, a tough conversation this morning with my four year old boy. He's about to be five in a couple of weeks. Um, but I've been telling my boys that my role is to help raise them to be better men than me. Right? That's that's my whole goal in life is to make them be better men than me. Um, and both of my sons have taken it almost as an insult, and I haven't figured out how I'm supposed to, how I need to reword this, but like my oldest son was like, I don't want to be a better man than you because he just looked at me as like the 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 pinnacle of a man like and which boy does he have some learning to do if I'm the pinnacle of a man right so uh, which is why I want him to be a better man than me so you know and, and as I'm trying to raise these boys to be amazing young men um, you know they're they're you know nine and five how do I get these guys to be um, on the right track, what are the words, like how powerful are our words that just me saying that I want them to be better men than me can break them down. So what, what kind of uh, thought process, I'm going to take a selfish moment here. Um, what kind of thought process can I pass on to these boys that gives the same ideas with different language? Cause the language we use with our kids helps create that wireframe I talked about before. And I want them to look at it from a positive light, um, and, and not a negative one. It's a great question. I'm still learning. I'm in the teenage phase. You know, um, our daughter has really embraced um, the lifestyle thinking that my wife, Gina, and I have, right? Mm -hmm. She really has. And, and she also, when we were living in New York and she was, she, 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 she's a theater person. She sings, she acts, like, you know, that's, that's her passion. But she also became an instructor in our Taekwondo program. So she was like engulfed into our leadership course she became an instructor she formed a really powerful identity right and um our son he was the kid in my martial art class that was always trying to get my attention in a negative way yeah like you follow me yeah um yeah. he's a lacrosse player uh which is fine i love the sport as long as he has something right so to answer your question uh i'm still learning because i'll be totally transparent he's a He's my, uh, if I'm Batman, he's Joker. Mm. If I'm, uh, you know, mm. <laughs> you follow me? He, yeah. like, he's like, like I, I think at times, sometimes he's 
wants to be oppositional at this moment mm -hmm. in the season of his life, all I could do is set an example and set a standard, right? And my world is, I'm just going to lead by example. You know, I'm going to lead in my fitness. I'm going to lead in my, my connection to God and how I operate as a Christian. I'm going to lead on how I treat my wife and how I lead and how I treat my mom and my dad, my family, mm -hmm. how I treat my clients, what, what I represent. Uh, and I will continuously raise my personal standards a, as a human. And I am praying that he follows that path a, or a similar path. He does not have to follow, like, this is weird. Um, there are three words that Gene and I constantly tell our kids. And through when you're speaking to men or women, but mostly men I coach, right, let's just say, um, when they have, like, some limiting beliefs, or I call them paralyzing paradigms, or things that kind of maybe were challenges from their childhood, it always came back to, like, what their dad didn't do, their mom didn't mm -hmm. do, you follow me? Yeah. Um, so the three words that I always say is regardless, I love you. I am proud of you. I am grateful. You're my child. Now I will make very clear Pierce. I love you. I just don't like you right now. <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> I just don't like you right now. You know, um, he would also say, what uh, am I a disappointment? No, no, you're not a disappointment. I'm disappointed in how you acted today or yeah. what you did. That that's not what this what that's not what Malellas do. That's not yeah. what Malellas do. You're a Malella. It's almost like the Lion King. Look in the look in the look in the reflection. Remember who you are. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're a Malella. Yeah. You're a winner. You're loved. You're successful. Like we've literally I got videos of my kid in the mirror saying all is and I am statements. They come walking down the steps. It says, today's going to be a great day. I'm grateful to be alive. Like we were like drilling these powerful incantations since they were children, right? Um, most people that I look up to and seek advice that have gone through this season of life, again, mine, mine are teenagers, right? Uh, they always say, listen, you're doing everything right. You have a solid foundation. You and your wife, like we're married 23 years together, 28 years. You know, we we're, we left my empire in New York during COVID to come here to give my kids a different experience. Mm -hmm. They get that now. We're almost been here almost three years. When they do go back up to New York, they have a comparison of their life here compared to yeah. there. Remember, my son also experienced COVID in at seventh grade, right? So seventh grade, no school, Zoom, we, our businesses were shut. We had a traumatic experiences of like fear, anxiety, doubt, the mass thing, the, we ironically sold our house just, you know, because it, we didn't know what was happening. Like we had it, we were selling our house without knowing the world's gonna shut down. Yeah. After we sold the, we were buying these houses on this lake and then it got, Kiboshed because people from the city were coming up and paying like 200, 200 grand cash over asking price. Yeah. We lost like five homes. Like, this is our house. No, it's not. This is our house. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, like our businesses were shut. Like, stress levels are high. Living with my in laws. And then I'm like, screw it. Babe, get in the Jeep. Where are we going? South Carolina. Have you been to South Carolina? Nope. Nope. I heard it's cool. Yeah. Right. 
and we came here and then I saw what it was like and then Mike come back like we bought land we're building a house right uh, so I hope that they know that Gina and I have made tremendous amounts of sacrifices for their life experience mm-hmm. so I'm hoping that they hear this constantly I love you I'm proud of you I'm grateful for your kids you know your family first Jesus first, you know, health first, you know, like, well, not first, but it's all encompassed in, yeah. in, in uh, Gina and I's value system, right? Uh, you know, those are the most important, right? Our faith, obviously, our fitness, family, you know, finances, you know. Um, but the, the messages of just saying that you're loved, you're a winner. I remember since they were little kids, I would let put them on the bus and I'm like, be a leader, be a leader, be a leader, right? That's always, I would always say to them, right? So, but I'm still learning at them. You know, my, my, you know again, yeah. our daughter's going to graduate high school. Most likely 90% should be going to Clemson University. That's basically where she's going to probably end up going. Very and nice. then we're still working on it with uh, Mr. Pierce. But yeah, I think that tends to be the case with a lot of, uh, a lot of fathers and sons anyways. Like there's, you know, there's that point, um, and boy, it might have even been Anthony when I was uh, talking to him on the podcast. I can't remember, but I think it was him where where he was talking about like the first the first like five years of the kid's life is your your turn to do like the discipline and do all the stuff and teach them, um, so that the next years you can mold them into where you want them to be, and then the years after that, um, you know, you can just be their their mentor, their guide as they're as they're growing through life. Um, uh, and there's there's also on a similar transition, um, there's the uh, the moment, especially with our sons um, uh, or with our dads, and, and depending on how you're looking at it, is um, you like you adore your dad, like he is everything to you, and then all of a sudden you like disdain your dad, like he's the, everything you don't want to see in 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 a father. And then later on, you learn to appreciate who your dad was and what they actually did for you. And I, you know, I I know that it's 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 sort of kind of a cliche, but it's also a cliche for a reason because that you can see the habit they see the pattern in almost every father-son relationship like it's so difficult there's that point where the dad where the son just does not like the dad and i don't understand why i don't i, I, I don't have I don't that to prevent it you I know don't, i don't i'm in it now okay yeah. all i will say is this what gene and i focus in on is what we want to see happen it's not yeah. easy you know, yeah. because you get distracted of when you're in the, you know what, and it's hard and you're, it's, it's like, he's testosterone's flying. He's 15, yeah. 16. And, you know, he wants to be with his friends. He's working in school and all, and it's a different world right now. Right. And so, uh, but here's the deal. He's healthy. He's alive. He's an athlete. Uh, he comes to church with me every now and then, like he, you know, just last week he, he slept over his friend's house and he showed up. He showed up late, but then he sat next mm-hmm. to me, you know, and I just warmed my heart. Right, I want him in that environment, you know, and uh, he's respectful to other people. So that's you know, and every now and then he's maybe not that respectful to Gene and I at times. But again, he's he's at that stage. But what we do visualize is what we the outcome of our relationship. And Gina keeps on saying that, and she's really better at it than I because sometimes I get. Uh, distracted and, and sometimes where I go, I get clouded and I can't really see the vision at times. But then, you know, uh, we we create our do our best to create imaginable experiences. So uh, I'll give you an example. My kids like this band, Mountain Joy. I don't know if you've heard of this band before. Never heard of Mountain Joy. And um, 
it's kind of like a fish grateful dead i don't know if they're christian band but you know like but um anyway when when they're in the kitchen and that band is playing they're both singing they're hanging out and they're sharing their lyrics and i'm like wow like look at this like they're like getting along and then this music's mm -hmm. bringing them together so i google mount joy and i saw that they were playing here in south carolina and I ended up surprising them, like, yo, we're all going to go to a Mount Joy concert. You know what I mean? And they loved it. And we went in and uh, we we did a concert together. Actually, we're going to go see a, a Christian performer, Lauren Daigle, in mm -hmm. two weeks out here in South nice. Carolina. And then we have Mount Joy tickets again. You know, and then two weeks ago, we went to the Clemson game, right, all together. We tailgated and went to the game. And I am doing as much. And then growing up, man, they they we went snowboarding, you know. Yeah. You know, they grew up on Stone Mountain, Vermont, you know, every mm -hmm. season last year. You know, now we're going out to Park City, Utah. So oh, I it. do our best to create magical experiences so they can remember the things that Gene and I like did with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what's, what we're focusing more on right now is creating those magical experiences. And uh, G like Kian, our daughter, just today so we're recording this the day after thanksgiving so wednesday night the day before thanksgiving we had some neighbors come over and my wife does was waxing some of the neighbors and you know uh, they were breaking out wine and wine and wax and my daughter was hanging out with us and she was hanging out with all the adults and we loved it and yeah. just the other day like kiana was she's a theater geek she starts singing and we just sat in the in the in the living room and listened to her sing and we're embracing all these little experiences and I think that's what I'm really focusing on now is creating as much experiences as possible. What we also do is we create these one-on-one -on -one date nights for the mm -hmm. kids. They get one a month with Gina and or I. So like Pierce likes shooting guns. So I go out to the range with a couple of my buddies who are like ex-police officers and, you know, we'll go and we'll shoot guns. You know, our daughter, she likes to go thrift shop, shopping downtown Charleston, or we do, we just went to the movies with her. We saw the Hunger Games movie that she wanted to do. But one day she was like, Dad, do you want to go to Starbucks with me and then and, and draw? I'm like, yeah, let's do that. We would get sketches and we're drawing, listen to classical music at Starbucks. I had no way to borrow. What's the bookstore? Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble. Yep. It, right? And just doing those one-on-ones on things that they want to do. I think that's key. And then constantly just, uh, you know, letting them know that we love them. Right. And then, uh, that's what Grandmaster Kim says. She's like, you have to continue to love no matter what. Always loving them no matter what. Yeah. Right? So that's what I'm doing my best to do, man. You know, lead by example. Yeah, and I figure I'm finally telling my kids I love them enough because they tell me, Dad, do you always have to tell me? And I, yes, I daggum yes. do. <laughs> At every moment, I have to let you know. You know what? Uh, my, my wife's cousin, uh, she lost her son. Uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago, 23 year old kid. And he's going to visit, was visiting his dad is in the hotel room working. And he just dropped, just dropped dead of a heart. I get a heart, heart attack, 22 years old. And I, I have a different conceptual theory behind that. If, I don't know if I should get into it. You and I may line up on that theory, perhaps. Uh, yes. <laughs> on that theory, uh, I am a, I'm a pure blood, just so you know, uh -huh, uh -huh, was my uh -huh. family. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we're down in South Carolina, because we were outcasted living in New York, if you can imagine. Yeah, uh, I would bet. And uh, so anyway, I can't even imagine, right? Uh, my wife's cousin Dawn just constantly posting pictures of her son, Matt, 
Mm. And anytime our son is not like being like on point and kind of being not, not cool, we got to get down to the level of gratitude and we got to say, yeah. our son's alive. He's a handsome kid. You saw him. He's outgoing. People love him. There's 5,000 kids in the school. Everyone knows who he is. He's a, var- he's a varsity uh, lacrosse player, you know, as a freshman. So- he's a sophomore now. He's popular. People like him. And yeah, he's just a, probably just a typical jock teenage boy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's, it, what could be, it's nothing, it's, it's, it's okay. You know, so that's what I got to remind myself. So I guess like, I'm coming back to gratitude. Right. Just, just yeah. gratitude. Right. And then the gratitude kind of melts sometimes. I'm just being a typical teenager that sometimes could be a challenge. You know, there's it, I'll be it, on it, in about two or three more years. Adam. <laughs> we can do this again. We can do yeah. it again for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I've been using this in, in the terms of, especially my, you know, nine-year-old. Um, but I'm, I'm replaying it in my brain as you're talking, um, with, you know, a, a 15, 16 year old, what it was going to look like. Right. Cause, um, uh, for anybody who this, who listens to this podcast, um, regularly, they'll, they'll have already heard this, but there's a, there's a certain point in your life where your son no longer like it's his last time he asks you to ride on his shoulder on your shoulders right there's a certain point where it's his last time that he asks you to um you know uh, um silly things wipe his butt do like and i look at those from this age right because my son's nine and he asked me the other day to get on it get on my shoulders and i was like dude you're like this massive pile of muscle as a nine-year-old and you have a not so greatly in shape multiple surgeries broken father i'm not really ready to throw you up on my you know what this may be the last time he asked me i'm putting him on my shoulders and i told that to my wife and i put him on my shoulders so i can handle it i i tell myself i'm uh i'm broken and i've been telling the boys that i need to stop saying that nonsense because the words that i speak will will come into me more so like i'm not broken you know so i look at it in your scenario and i think to myself there's going to be a last time where my son walks into my office because he just came home from whatever and looks at me and, and, you know, Hey, can I do this? Or can I go do that? Or, and, and there's going to be a last time that happens. There's gonna be a last time that, you know, I get to go to their, their varsity, you know, lacrosse game. There's going to be a last. Time. And so despite all of those rough moments that I know are going to come that you're already dealing with, there's still going to be a last, there's going to be a last time that you get in that argument with the kid, you know? And as much as we hate those arguments, they're growth points for both of you, right? They're growth points for both of us. And it's like, okay, well, it, do how do I want to handle this argument if this is the last one I get to have, you know? And in in your friend's case, it was Don and I. What was the the kid's name? Matt. So in that case, like, there's a last time period. Yes. A last interaction period. So if we can always remember that while looking forward, knowing like we're we're growing, and I want us to continue to grow, but there's eventually going to be a last time, and I don't know when it's yeah. going to be. Grandmaster Kim would always say it's minus one. I remember uh, we're having tea when, you know, we were all living in New York at the time. And he goes, oh, what's wrong, sir? He goes, oh, well, you know, I maybe see my, my brother uh, one, maybe two more times. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what, sir? Well, I'm this many years. He's this many years. He lived Korea. I live here. You know, I don't know how much his health is. He's not like me, you know, training and meditate and, you know, vegetarian. And, you know, maybe if I see him one, two more times, that's it. And that got me thinking, like, everything's minus one. Yeah. Right. So, like, our daughter is a senior now, right? So, 
Uh, last this past March, we went to Park City, Utah. We're all four of us were all snowboarding. And I looked at my wife. I'm like, one more. She said, what do you mean? I'm like, March 2024. You know, Kiana graduates May of 2024. Mm-hmm. We got one more of these. Stop, stop. I go, no, Gina, that's the truth. Like, I'm not putting them on the bus anymore. Yeah. Those days are over. I'm not cuddling in bed and reading to my kid anymore. Those days are yeah. all over. You know what I mean? I'm not, I can't take my six-year-old kid and put him, I could probably, but put him on my shoulders. You know what I mean? Can't do that. Those, it's all gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So every tea time that we have in the morning, and Keanu knows how valuable it is. It's, it's, there's not many more of those. So that's one way to reflect. But I tell you, man, when I get really sometimes, I think I'm pretty good at being Zen, you know, at most times and not being what I call emotional puppet. But mm-hmm. that dude, my son, he knows exactly what buttons to push on me. <laughs> you see yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And when I get there, okay, and mainly it's because, and I'll be transparent, it's, we talked about standards before. In my belief is this, in every category of life, you have a set of values that you live by. So I bet you, you and your wife have set a set of values that you live by in an intimate relationship. I bet you, mm-hmm. you and your wife as a family have a set of values you want to teach your kids. I bet you in business, you have a set of values that you live by. I also believe in your fitness or your spirituality, a set of values that you live by. Okay. What happens is, is that if people are not congruent with those values, there's a disconnect. Yeah. And, under, and Tony Robbins teaches this, by the way. It's like there's these values. And then the, uh, underneath that, there's this set of rules. Sometimes my rules are very easy to break and they're not easy to meet. Mm-hmm. When someone breaks your rules, what does it lead to? Frustration, disappointment, resentment. So I'll be very open. In my family values, one, it's love. Now, what Pierce mm-hmm. didn't do because we were on the camera, I expect him to what? Give a kiss on the cheek there. Yeah. yeah, we're Italian men. I, I, yeah. I'm, gonna be 50 years old i kiss my brother i kiss my dad i kiss my uncles i'm very confident in my manlyhood as the first thing i do because there'll be a time when i can't kiss my old man anymore yeah okay so i tell him like you have to the malevolas we love love is first okay and my rules are when you see me i want to kiss when you leave i want to kiss and you want to say i love you pop i love you pierce because god forbid one of us leaves and we don't say goodbye we don't kiss mm-hmm. and god forbid something happens to any of us i have to then live with regret that i couldn't say i loved you yeah okay so love is number one in our value list two if you ask me it's it's that it's the being appreciative right being appreciative like yesterday we, we had the privilege of going to downtown charleston to a really nice restaurant you know, and the four of us was a thousand dollars plus mm-hmm. tip is what thirteen hundred bucks. Okay, now they know that's not the average yeah. coin you drop on a meal on Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? And so when my daughter saw it, she was like, "Dad, thank you so much." Like we were blessed. Like my, I told you, pasta and meatballs. Yeah. Right. You know, no, my daughter was having caviar. We had, you know, the, you know, all these different things and the, and the seven course fixed meal. And then she eats, you know, she's 
each she's an expensive girl. Oysters, sushi, filet mignon. You know, like mm-hmm. I didn't have that until I was thirty something years old. Yeah. Right? So appreciation. And then for me, some level of discipline. You know, some level of discipline in the home. You just take care of your stuff. You know what I mean? So what if you are not loving or respectful or appreciative, you're not showing discipline, you're breaking dad's rules, and that's gonna mm-hmm. cause me to get upset. I want my eat say I love you. I want to hug and kiss goodbye. Hello, hello. Just say thank you, please and thank you. We're a please and thank you family. Right? You're gonna be respectful and you're gonna be disciplined. It means I look in your room, just I shouldn't have to clean your room up. You don't yeah. have pride. Clean your room. Clean the toothpaste in there. You know, flush the toilet bowl. <laughs> Here's, you know what I mean? <laughs> Take your shoes, put them away. Like, you know, like some level of discipline. My yeah. wife and I should not be picking up after your stuff. Like, we're not the maids. You know, have accountability. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, um, those are the value systems that we want to teach, keep our standard high. But at the same time, when you get really, holy cow, holy, my goodness, it's minus one. Mm-hmm. And also sometimes th- that stuff can melt everything else away, right? So I guess there's, th- there's that like be present, think of the, like all three realms are important. And so the question is like just, just being mindful, you know? And so just being mindful and, um, you know, making sure that what Tony Robbins would teach me is like make sure your rules are easier to meet and not, easy to break so you're not in the state of anger and frustration all the time yeah right uh, honestly it happened yesterday yesterday was thanksgiving he slept out wednesday night at his friend we allowed him to sleep out my wife said as long as you're home by 12 o'clock our reservation is not till two downtown mm-hmm. so my wife said 12 why gives him plenty of time yes and I, I told my wife, I was in my Jeep at 1.30. And I'm like, we're leaving at 1.30, whether he's here or not. The flight is leaving. The flight, your flight tonight to go to New York, if mm-hmm. you ain't there, it don't wait for Adam. It goes, nope. and that's life. You know, Jen and I were at this workout, this, this thing that we did at 4 a.m. last Saturday. It started at 4 a.m. If you weren't in that door, they shut the door and they locked it. That's a lesson everyone's going to learn. That's what mm-hmm. time it starts, whatever. So I'm like, Gina, this Jeep is one, I'm waiting. And here he comes, 129 racing. And my daughter was nice enough to get him clothes and brought in the Jeep because I was leaving, right? Yeah. He was you know, left home. And I was what? Pissed because he broke my rule, mm-hmm. right? You were told this and you're getting, oh, no, my so-and-so's tire got a flat, whatever excuse. I'm like, that's not my problem. You know, it's not my problem. That could be another excuse. You have to take ownership and accountability in your life because this is a life lesson. So I'm doing your best to teach these, you know, these kids life lessons yeah. so they're not entitled little you know what, you know what I mean? Where they mm-hmm. learn, right? And so because like you and I, like we didn't have a lot of things, Yeah. you know, like you work for, you have a comparison, right? So when, you know, you know, the statement when uh, easy times make weak men hard yep. times make you know like 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 yep. that so there's that fine line that i, I you know, we want to we want to teach because that's a whole other conversation i do believe you know our society and our country is kind of like weakening what it is to yeah. be a man 
And yeah. so, oh, don't I know that? I'm tired of yeah. seeing forty year old boys walking around. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, and that's if they yeah. look like boys, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true too. You know, one thing I, I say that that or one thing that I, I think the way that I, I look at life a lot of times, especially with my kids, is I feel like they walk around with little mirrors over their neck, so that when they're doing something that strikes me and like I really don't like, and they turn and look at me, all I see is myself in the mirror and say, okay, well, I've I've either the cause of this. Or the reason I don't like it is because it was something I used to do when I was younger that I don't want to see in my kids, you know. And I and as you were talking, like I'm I'm picturing that, you know. Um, just this morning, I was I'm talking to my son about about crying, and I'm not a big fan of crying. I think there's a time and place for crying. Um, if you go and, and and you go and you're playing and you're running and you you crash into the tree, I'm perfectly fine. You're going to cry. If you cry because I, I I took a toy from you, no, 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 no. We're not playing that game, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And part of that, I think, is because I was a big crier when I was a kid. Like, I was just, like, obnoxiously, like, looking back on it, to me, I look at it and say that was obnoxious to be that way. Um, uh, even, you know, fifth, sixth grade, like, why are you crying? You're, in, like... Like when I'm looking back at it now, so I'm wondering if that's why I am the way I am with my boys with the with the crying. Um, uh, so I want to throw that back at you and kind of say, is, is there something that you're seeing in your son when those moments, right, when those rules are getting broke, that maybe it's because of some like you set these rules because of the way you used to be, yep. and you don't want that to happen? Is that is that you think where it comes from? One hundred percent. You know, um, I've I always had a great relationship with my parents. Always, I want to make that very clear. Mm -hmm. I was always very protective. I was the oldest, right, of all my sisters and especially my younger brother. And my parents would admit that and tell that to you. I definitely gave my parents a run for their money from 15 to 18. Yeah. At my age, uh, I was never disrespectful. I just was kind of like a little wild, right? He's definitely kind of like that. Um, So I guess... My parents are like, well, what the hell do you think you were doing when you were 15? <laughs> and I said, well, the reason why is because I also cause a lot of pain and disruption for my parents. Mm-hmm. Well, Pierce, the reason why I'm so much like this is because I believe I didn't have the right mindset in my athletic career when I was your age. I could have been a lot better yeah. and I didn't, right? Like he's called, he's like, no, he's like, he's like a Johnny Manziel, you know, Johnny Manziel, the, mm-hmm. the quarterback, yeah. like he's, he's, his coaches call him a gamer, like on the field, when he's a game, he balls out practice, he BS, yeah. like he don't put yeah. in that work, which kind of gets me upset because I was like Rudy working so hard it didn't come naturally athletic in me, but I also didn't have my mind. I didn't have enough confidence on it when I was his yeah. age. He, he needs more of that, like grit and i want to teach him because so this way he doesn't feel like i felt like you're just settling you're wasting mm-hmm. your time you're just settling being you know average you know so that's one the other thing is there's mistakes that i made that cost my parents a lot of money and i'm really grateful that god forbid i'm like i could have been on the other side of those those things yeah. like you know like yeah, yeah you know uh and so someone was watching over me right someone was watching over me and so like when you make a mistake, dude, it's not all on you. You affect mm-hmm. everybody else in your life. You know what I mean? You affect everybody else. So it's not just you that you have to pay the consequence. It's going to be my, your, your mom, your dad, your sister, your family. Everyone pays that price. So 
if there are things that I share with him based on my own personal experiences to help teach him, don't we want our kids to have a make better better uh, choices in life based on yeah. our past experiences? But it seems like he is more of a uh, an experience learner, right? Yeah. He doesn't want to. He doesn't. He doesn't want to like follow success. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so um, I just had this conversation with my my daughter last night because I I do get frustrated. I have kids his age at the gym. That like they call me Master Paul, yo Master Paul, and they bro hug me and they ask me advice and I mentor them. And then they got kids his age that all know me from this community. They embrace yeah. me, right? Meanwhile, he has this I think oh pretty cool dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know I work hard, I do my thing. Like I'm cool looking, right? Like and uh, I'm not saying that arrogant. I'm just saying that because you know it's my confidence. I want to have confidence, yeah. right? It's kind of like Deion Sanders. Don't let my confidence offend your insecurity. You didn't make me <laughs> make me right, Coach Primetime. Yeah. I love yeah, that. Yeah. Anyway, and here's my own kid. He's not like embracing, you know, the mm-hmm. the, you know, the the message, the, the the philosophy. But to answer that question, yeah, man, I want to teach him. Hey, these are my past experiences. I screwed up. I mean, so many mistakes. And it really, it put a, a lot of pain on grandma and grandpa, right? And I would really appreciate it. I can hope help teach you so you don't have to make those mistakes. You know what yeah. I mean? And so it doesn't want to make your life easier. I just want you to be smarter with your choices and in life, right? And um, so that's really where I'm, I'm, I'm coming from as best as I possibly can, right? And then, uh, you know, here's the thing. I like to think I'm, I want to be in control. Yeah. And here's the one realization that I've learned. I'm not in control mm-hmm. of all the things that are outside my realm. The only thing that I'm in control of is how I think, how I feel, and how I act and respond. Mm-hmm. That's it. I can't control the market. I can't control my kid. I can't control what's going on in politics. And the funnier, funnier thing is that even when I think I'm in control, I'm not. God's in control. Mm-hmm. And so what I've been leaning more on is praying that God will just put the Holy Spirit in my son's path yeah. and just guide him through his life journey. I'm Adam. I'm not kidding. Every Sunday I go to church, I have these wooden crosses and we light candles. And every Sunday I write this prayer. Please watch over my son Pierce. May the Holy Spirit enter his heart. And have Jesus guide him through his life journey. And that's my prayer every Sunday. You know, I can lead by example. I can mm-hmm. be a great entrepreneur, a great husband, a great dad, be fit, just be a good human being. And set a standard for my kingdom. But at the end of the day, I'm not in control. God's in control. And I got, yeah. I'm just praying and asking him to watch over my kid. Both my kids. Right? And that he's in control. And I trust. And here's here's the here's the one other power. I know we're coming up on our time soon, but the one thing is to have faith. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just I have, I have to have faith that God's gonna do the right thing and he's gonna put my son on a path for him to be a successful human being and be a soldier for God in this world and be the light that uh, overpowers the darkness that's in our in our world at most of the time. And I want to be the light. I want my family to be a light. I'm I'm a soldier of God, and I just know I'm on the right side. 
that's sure. awesome. And I mean, it, that's, that's about the best we could do. And in, in many times, like be a good example, say, you know, uh, let them know, show them the right way to do it. Pray to God every day that, uh, that, that it turns out all right. But in the same way, they have, they have free will just like we did. So, you know, they're, they're going to have to learn through it. So it's going to be his own definition. It can't be mine. Yeah. Yep. Right. That's the one thing I said. Now, one of the things I used to say him was say, as long as you're happy, Pierce, you know, if you're happy yeah. and, you, and you're a good human being, my job is to help you be a successful contributor to society. Mm-hmm. That's my job. Right. And as, as long as you find a way to do that, I'm happy. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I would I would say me personally I like to change the word from happy to joy because happy happiness can come from a can of Pepsi, uh, but joy can't right. So like uh, happiness can come from from a piece of cheesecake, but joy doesn't. So uh, joy comes from a fulfillment inside that is much larger than the uh, the little piece of happy. But um, but uh, as I say, Pepsi as I'm sitting here looking at my can of Pepsi, but. Uh, uh, but man, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. You and I both have a hard stop here, but I want to throw it over to you. If there's any one last nugget that you, you know, that you wish we would have mentioned, um, you know, and obviously if you and I, I have a feeling could talk for a lot longer. So we may have to do two or three more of these to really get all of our, uh, our thoughts out on this. But, uh, but is there any last thing that you'd like to add before we, uh, we call it? Hey man, you know, as long as, long as we're out here, we're all dads, we're all humans. You know, most yeah. of us, I, I would imagine your audiences and, you know, I like to think that we're an uncommon group of human beings that just want to do the right thing, yeah. be good examples. And um, I believe it's a small circle, my friend, right? Uh, I really do. And uh, the more I can be involved in, in a mission, you know, when I, and here's one of the things that both my wife and I want to represent. You know, I want to re- represent uh, being a strong man. I have a tattoo. Mm-hmm of like the samurai mask and the samurai with his head down. I love the analogy of like the last samurai movie with Tom, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah. You know, um, I like to think of all of us, like we're like these warriors, right? We're like, and they were perceived, the samurai were perceived as these animals, savages, but no man, there were warriors protecting their family, protecting their mm-hmm. village based on virtues, right? Uh, uh, that they uh, had. And, but when they weren't at battle, what were they doing? They were meditating. They were doing calligraphy. They were gardening. They were with their family. They were having tea. Mm -hmm. I want to represent what a man is in the future, where when people might look at me and I, I, you know, I'm all tatted out and I'm fit, then they're like, ooh, he's this way. No, no, no. Then, but you don't know that I meditate. You don't know that I have tea. You don't know that I pray. I cry in church, by the way. I just Mm -hmm. can't even use that. Crying is a time and place. I I go to church. I listen to the, what's going on. I cry. I break down. I'm like, boom, the Holy Spirit right here hits me. That's when I cry, right? Uh, I almost cried when I thought about my own man. So you can be a powerful man. And show empathy, show love in the martial arts, um and yang. So I want to show what a true man can be like being, you know, like we talk about multidimensional, but also at the same time, be strong. But guess what? Dude, I cook for my wife. Mm -hmm. I cook for my wife. I do the dishes, right? I do all that stuff, right? And at the same time, my wife and I show power couple. We respect each other. I don't care if someone makes more money than this and this. You know, Mm -hmm. I have... 
some people I know that women makes more good for you. I told my daughter, you make more great money. You be an alpha female, like you boss lady, but you know, you're also a, a woman embrace it. You know, you mm -hmm. don't have to try to be like a guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. So my, I want to show that you can be a power couple and a man that's strong and you know almost like humble and and soft and loving at the same time and shift what it means to be like that where most men or i in my humble opinion are kind of like acting more like feminine and weak yeah. and soft cultures push that on shifting so. and with their damning they're yeah. damning what it means like to be a strong man yeah i want to make sure i'm i'm like the movie 300 i'm like the, the last of the jedi we're the last mm -hmm. of the samurai we got to stick together and we got to evolve and we have to make sure that we show good values. Um, and I believe that like when I tell my wife, Gina, we're like a triangle, right? It's like God, me and you. Yeah. With, with God and me and you side by side, we could do anything. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, if anybody wants to reach out to you, Paul, uh, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn, Paul Malella, M E L E L L A. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, uh, P Malella at empoweredmastery.com. My web website is empoweredmastery.com. Uh, and uh, my book is You Have Infinite Power. It's on Amazon, on Audible. And uh, awesome. I'm grateful to be on the show. And hopefully, we'll be back and we can continue uh, our conversations. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Paul. It was an absolute pleasure to uh, have this good chat with you. Looking forward to the next time and hopefully uh, hopefully one in person. Yes, but, sir. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Like, subscribe, reach out to Paul, especially if you're looking to uh, transform your life. Um, you know, make, make it happen. But thank you, everybody, and we'll see you on the next show. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.